0: Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily. I am here with my co-host Xavier Sanchez. How you doing, Xavier?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Bye Good to back. hear. Good to hear. Uh, how was the uh, trip to uh, Tampa Bay?
1: Tampa Bay. It, it was great. I, I've only been out of the Midwest now three times, and twice to Florida. Now it was it was great to just be in a different setting for a, a quick two days. But it was it was a great game for the Tampa Bay fans. <laughs> and I enjoyed the stadium. I thought it was a really cool place.
0: Yeah, it didn't go so well for the Bears journeying out of the Midwest there. And uh, Tom Brady, you know, liked to make a couple of jokes, which were uh, fairly entertaining from my viewpoint. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, You've been watching the World Series at all? Uh,
1: a little bit here and there. Uh, it's been, it's leaning the way I would like it to go. At the moment, yesterday, I was, don't know why they ended up losing. They uh, Letting them catch up, but I'm hoping the Braves win, personally. Uh, obviously, we spoke previously. We would rather see it, but there's a lot more uh, likable people on the Braves.
0: Yeah, the uh, the Astros... Well, I mean, the players are not uh, particularly likable and, uh, you know, most of their fan base has a way of being kind of rubbing everybody the wrong way as well. So, you know, I think that most I don't know if you've seen that uh, that map that's been all over Twitter where it's got a map of the United States and it's like literally the only spot where anybody's rooting for the Astros is in Houston.
1: Houston, and I think some like random, uh, it might be like Delaware or somewhere <laughs> in the Northeast, and everyone's just like, "Why? What did they do? To, what did the Braves do to them?"
0: Yeah, I got, uh, I had this uh, friend that was in a band, and he used to say that the uh, people in New Hampshire were really self entitled. So I, I would think that it's probably uh, New Hampshire, just because of his, uh, his disdain for the people from the state of New Hampshire for whatever reason. He was from Maine. He didn't care for people from New Hampshire for whatever reason. I'm not even entirely sure what it was about, but good for a laugh regardless. Um, Yeah, I'm not uh, really – I wasn't happy with yesterday's result. Uh, It looked pretty decent for the Braves for a while, and then uh, just kind of wheels fell off with the pitching. And uh, as the Astros are, you know, known to do as they did it to our – unsuspecting uh, White Sox pitching staff. They like to string hits together and score some runs, and that is exactly what they did yesterday, and that was a pretty tough watch.
1: Some really strong, like, obviously the pitching didn't hold up, but some strong performances early on. Uh, There was like a, who was it? Anderson, five no-hit innings to start the game, and then some no, a guy making his first actual start Blinking on his name But he went five no-hit innings as well And then you have Charlie Morton Ends up being down for the series Gets a full inning On a a broken leg
0: Yeah, that was a big loss too That's that's no bueno Uh, Losing Charlie Morton uh, And that curveball To uh, a broken leg And yeah, then to go ahead And go pitch on it uh, It just I can't imagine how awful that felt on that, uh, on that leg of his, um, pretty nasty. Um, yeah, I, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, you know, I don't really have, uh, much of a horse in the race to say, uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Astros lose, you know, for what that's worth. Um, yeah, so we were talking about this uh beforehand. I didn't look at the uh at the same thing you did about uh uh Joey Gallo with the um with the uh silver slugger or whatever. But uh I did see that uh Tim Anderson got nominated for a silver slugger and Dallas Keuchel is nominated for a uh, gold glove. So that's something. Guy can't uh you know, make the playoff roster, but he's got a Gold Glove nomination, so at least he's got that going for him.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how they end up with the people they did, and then catcher they had. Uh, I'm still. I think it must be the same award. Gary Sanchez, uh, as well, on one of these awards, and I don't know about that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, said, um, hey,
1: yeah, yeah, Yankee, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's uh, yeah. It's that Yankee, that Yankee privilege that uh, some of those guys get. Uh, you know, Sanchez he'll throw some runners out and he can he can block some pitches. But you know, to nominate that guy for a Gold Glove, uh, if that's what the if that's what it was, it a Gold Glove. It wasn't. It couldn't have been a Silver Slugger because he was uh, offensively not so not so hot for at least most of the year when I was actually paying attention to the Yankees, and he got benched as well. So. Let's see. I have to look it up. I'm trying to think of uh, what else if they're. Uh, Arizona Fall League, uh, Glendale Desert Dogs. Um, posted a couple of pictures taken by uh, a guy in one of my groups today. Uh, Jose Rodriguez and Yoelke Cespedis started the game for the Desert Dogs today. Yolbert Sanchez did not. Uh, did not start i don't uh, i haven't looked at the uh the final box score uh i know johan, johan dominguez um pitched a little bit and apparently did not go uh very smooth uh wasn't awful because uh i don't know from what i saw the score after he got out of the game it was tied five to five on uh jose rodriguez ended up scoring on somebody else hitting a hitting a something, I don't know, a double or something that scored him or a single that scored him later on in the inning. Um, Yes, and as Grimtall mentions, Mendick did get a gold glove nod last year. And the thing was is that they acknowledged later that for whatever reason they left somebody accidentally off the uh, second base uh, nominees for the gold glove, and they kept Mendick on the awards – Um, but it was, it was pretty apparent that they were, that they had made a mistake and put Mendic on somehow, some way. And, uh, the other guy should have been the guy that was on there. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, he did get a gold glove. That is true. And, uh, I I don't even know how many games he played at second, but it wasn't, uh, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't even, uh all the games that he played, I think he played at uh, shortstop some, and then uh, third base as well when he got the, when he got the nod. So I'd have to look at the stats over again, but I don't know. It was a pretty uh, egregious uh, nomination. When I heard he got nominated for a gold glove for second base, I kind of did one of the double takes, you know, trying to figure out <laughs> what was going on. How did that happen? So uh, yeah. Anywho, Uh what was that? Uh, what was that award?
1: It was Silver Slugger that they have hmm. uh, Gary Sanchez on.
0: Interesting or a
1: catcher. They put per- Perez, Zunino, and Sanchez. You, you understand the other two, but Sanchez. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I think that it's probably a probably just a a bit having to do with the fact that uh, there aren't a ton of catchers that have really generated a whole lot of offense and uh grandal was injured for a good piece of time and he was also you know i i know that uh we we've talked about it uh, you know a ton and uh doesn't really need to be discussed anymore but the uh you know 140 batting average for grandal probably wasn't uh you know inspiring a whole lot of votes for uh getting grandal in there. Although, you know, he did smash the ball after he came back from the injury later on in the year, but uh, I don't think he's going to get a whole lot of votes hitting 140 and then uh, walking, you know, 30% of the time or whatever it was that he was doing. Absolutely insane. Um, That stat line that he had earlier this year was just ridiculous. So. Um, yeah, so today, uh, we are going to go through and take a look at, uh, the outfield for the White Sox. Um, figured we'd, uh, go ahead and just, uh, talk about a couple of little things here and there, uh, to fill in some, uh, stuff before we hit that outfield, uh, that look at the outfield. Um, cause there isn't really a whole lot going on in White Sox baseball right now. Um, unfortunately, uh, They're sitting at home uh, watching the playoffs, I would assume, just like uh, we are, unfortunately. Um, I did see today. What's that?
1: Yeah, maybe it's the same thing you're going to mention. I said, um, unless you're getting your card detailed. Yes. And some nice uh, decals.
0: Yeah, so uh, something came out on TMZ today about uh, Luis Robert getting his his Lamborghini wrapped in a uh, nice Naruto – anime thing and uh, apparently it glows in the dark and he spent like 10 grand on it. Uh, it looks pretty slick. I'm not going to lie. It's, it looks pretty neat, but um, you know, the kind of mo- the kind of things that uh, baseball players spend money on. Yeah. You know,
1: I wasn't, ex- you know, I wasn't expecting uh, anyone to make TMZ uh but if it was someone I can see it being uh Robert anyways
0: yeah between him and uh Yoan Yohan likes his flashy cars as well. he's got uh an army of black and red and uh white and red cars. Um, I know he's got like a Lamborghini. or
1: is a he is a pop sensation
0: that is true that is true. he does have a uh, uh quote unquote hit single. I'm sure it was a hit somewhere. Um, the video was entertaining, uh, seeing him dance around in his romper and uh, and such. Um, why would he do that well? John Rudels. Um, apparently that was what he wanted. So uh, he he got his, his Lambo wrapped in a nice anime scene with uh, all sorts of flashy colors, and it looks pretty slick. Um, before, I think it was like a... Uh, uh, matte olive green or something, like a matte camouflage green color. So it wasn't exactly uh, that flashy thing that uh, Luis Robert is known for. So that was pretty good, um, at least something to uh, talk about. Um, uh, other things to talk about, uh, Mike Rodolfo uh, down in the Dominican had a uh, four-hit game yesterday, hit a couple of home runs Uh, I think he drove in four or five, but, uh, I don't know, uh, what's, you know, it is the Dominican league, so who knows exactly, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, take a look and see what the velocity on those pitches were, but, um, you know, he still hit them a far way and still looking like a thing, um. I've seen some – I guess we can get get back to this later as it uh, pertains to the outfield, um, but, uh, you know, some people were intrigued and other people were like, yeah, I don't care. doesn't matter. So um, where do you stand on that uh, as far as Mike Rodolfo goes? What are you thinking? Are you thinking uh, – because he, he's out of options, so if he doesn't make the 26 man going into uh, the season next year, they have to either – uh, if they, I don't even think they have to re-sign him, so he has to pass through waivers, and then they can assign him to uh, AAA. I don't even think that they can assign him to AAA and pass him through waivers. I think they have to outright release him and then re-sign him to be able to even do that. So, where are you standing? Are you thinking that uh, he's going to make a make the roster, or are you thinking he's going to be um, jettisoned? I'm.
1: Um, I'd. I mean, between I would, s- I can see him being jettisoned, but uh, time and time I feel like they, they're going to end up searching uh, inward for right field. And I think they might just stick up in right field and have that back and like a putt right field between the few different people. And I haven't been proven wrong. Like there's no reason not to believe that ends up happening there.
0: Yeah. Uh, White Sox premium case says Adolfo isn't going anywhere. And I, I, you know, I kind of have to agree uh, on both sides of that. I think that um, that we're looking at him being on the roster, um, and we'll look at the numbers in a little bit, but I'm kind of thinking that, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, having a uh, right field filled with uh, guys that haven't, you know necessarily proved themselves or gotten a whole lot of time in uh, MLB Feel free to address it Xavier I see it too
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have I, I been wearing these glasses each week so I didn't know they looked that much bigger this week maybe it's no. cuz I wore a hat Usually I don't wear a hat That's
0: yeah that's true Uh I think that uh you know I've seen some I've seen some of these streamers rocking some blue light glasses that are fairly large. So I think I think those are uh I think those are okay. They're uh they fit, you know, profile, yeah, you know, like yeah. the fit the size wise. You know, without them I
1: wouldn't be able to see much. So well gotta, fair enough. Uh, wear.
0: <laughs> yeah, Harry Carey's uh glasses were monstrous even for his big you know his big head. So he did pretty good. I think that uh I think they fit all right. Um Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I don't think, uh, I don't think Adolfo is going anywhere, um, between him and sheets and Vaughn. And, uh, you know, we'll go through, uh, we'll go through the whole list of who played what positions and who's around and who isn't. But, um, I don't know. Uh, and you know, as we, as we spoke about, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I, and I, assume we probably I think we talked about it last week too when you weren't uh, when you weren't here um, you know I yeah Kendall thinks that they're going to sign some sign an outfielder too and I mean you know it's entirely possible um, the only thing that I have my doubts about is whether it's going to be somebody that's going to be uh, worth a sign you know I mean are, are we going to get a repeat of last year's outfield signing or are we going to actually get somebody that's going to be uh, useful to the team for uh, longer than 25 games or so. And then 25 games hurt or just, uh, ineffective truth. Sayer 16 says Adam Eaton is available again. That is true. Uh, he is also sitting at home um but the thing about him is he's been sitting at home for quite a while. Uh, I can't remember when he got uh when he got released. They signed Eaton as a difference maker. Keep that in mind when setting expectations. My thoughts exactly Grimtall is that that was their number one offensive signing last year was Adam Eaton. So that's exactly what you need to do: is temper your expectations. If they thought that signing Adam Eaton was going to be an effective signing and a difference maker, um, that should give you an idea of basically what you're looking at this year. Because, you know, we went over the uh, we went over the payroll last week, and um. You know, you're looking at uh, if they pick up uh, Kimbrel's option, which I do believe that they will do. um, You're looking at uh, around 160 million dollars or so, which is about uh, which is the most money that they've ever spent on payroll, if I remember correctly, and uh, you know, including the uh, benefits and the minor league salaries and all that uh, for the competitive balance tax. They're like. I don't know, something like a 40 forty something million away from the luxury tax. And uh, I don't know. If you think that they're going to get that much closer to the luxury tax amount, um, I'll be pretty shocked. Uh, Chris Taylor, yes, he's, he's uh, possibly available. Um, if they can get Taylor, they may sign him to play both positions. And I like Taylor a lot. Yeah, see now here's the thing is that Chris Taylor, I like him as well as a player. However, um A, the Dodgers have to let him go and let him get out there, first off, and not uh you know, sign him to uh some money that the White Sox are not going to spend on him. And B Chris Taylor actually would have to sign with the White Sox. So uh, you know, there's three really big things going on here: White Sox payroll, Chris Taylor wanting to sign with the White Sox, and the Dodgers letting Chris Taylor actually get out into the free market without putting up a a big fight about it. Um,
1: is uh, is Chris Taylor outfield and catcher? I'm he, to does,
0: uh, he does. He does. Basically, everything except for catch. Um, and he has pitched before, I believe, but not, uh, you know, obviously not uh, anything more than uh, what Williams Estadio will do, you know, which is just come in a mop up role. Um, you know, oh, he's like
1: a fan. You're a Larry Garcia.
0: <laughs> he is, that is exactly what it is. It's Larry Garcia with, a, you know, a little bit more power, is uh, going to cost more, and uh, strikes out just as much, if not maybe a little bit more. So uh, I think he had like 160-something strikeouts this year. And uh, he didn't play – I want to say he didn't – I think he probably played about just as much as Moncada did and uh, had the exact same amount of strikeouts. Uh, Granted, he did hit for quite a bit more power, if I remember correctly, as far as like home run totals go and everything. Um, I can't remember the exact amount' because it's been a minute since I looked at his stats, but um, I don't know to me, you know from for all the all the reasons that I just stated, i just I don't see it happen, you know, money will be cleared well, I mean, okay, fine um but you know, as we've heard from Rick Hahn himself before is that they try and leave themselves some money. In the budget to make moves at the deadline, and uh, I don't know, didn't allow them to uh, have a whole lot of money going into. Uh, I mean, you know, you saw what they signed last year, so why would you think that they're going to spend more than eight million dollars on an Adam Eaton? You know, like a, a signing of that type of uh, of that t- type of dollar amount, and Chris Taylor is going to command considerably more than that and he's going to command considerably more than Larry uh, Jack of all trades, everyday player Garcia as well. So, you know, um, oh, yeah, the Mankata debate trending on Twitter. Yeah, that whole thing.
1: I don't, I I think, obviously, he's, he's much better than anything we've ever had. I think there's two things that if he did those, everyone would just forget about it. I think if he happened to drive in a few more runs and hit a few more home runs, this wouldn't be a big discussion. He does everything else. He just happened to have a few less of those this season. Uh, which Those are like people like uh, highlightable moments, like those that you might see on SportsCenter or something. That makes him pop out. But he's been doing a lot of great things over the last few seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't be a 4. Uh, what is it 4.6 or 4.5 war player via fan graphs and be the third best third baseman in Major League Baseball and be bad. It's it's not possible. And uh we saw his glove made a sizable jump in uh how um Respectable slash dependable, he could be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as Kendall mentions, his shortcomings became glaring this last season. Yeah. And, you know, uh, a lot of people complained about his, uh, him not being able to, uh, drive in runs with the runners in scoring position. He had like a 140, something like a 146, uh, WRC plus with men and scoring position. The one thing that I will concede and, uh, and mention is that he in high leverage moments with runners in scoring position, uh, he did not do well. He's had something like a 48 WRC plus or something along those lines. So, I mean, it was fairly evident that he was not very good in uh clutch scenarios uh, as far as driving in runs but you know um i think he was better than Abreu uh across uh i brought this i brought that stat up uh probably in like september early september or something that uh that Moncada did have a better uh average in OPS with runners in scoring position than Abreu did but i believe that Abreu was Better in high leverage situations, so I mean it's kind of a trade off, but uh, I mean Abreu's still the still the king of the uh, runners in scoring position type deal. Uh, I don't I don't see that changing at least for a you know a year a year or two. Um, let's see they try Adam Duvall depending on if his mutual option is exercised by either side. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, you know, I mean, and as Grimtall mentioned earlier is that they thought that signing Adam Eaton last year was going to be a difference maker and was worth the money. So much so that when they they offered uh, that $10 million that we're talking about to Jock and he turned it down because he thought he would be worth more, which obviously ended up not working out uh, monetarily for him but he is playing in the World Series um, that immediately after Jock turned them down they went inside Adam Eaton as if there was no other baseball player on the planet that they wanted more than Adam Eaton so that's that's one of those that's one of the signings where I kinda wonder who decided that that was the guy that they wanted to sign cuz i seeing the other pickups by Hostetler uh in uh you know with him being the head of pro you know pro player uh i don't know what what is that assessment or whatever um to me it seems like not the kind of guy that he would generally go after and uh as we all know it uh didn't work out exactly so hot. So, what do you think, Xavier?
1: Nothing at the moment. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> i have been reading through these what you, what the comments were saying. So nothing on this specific. I I I just every week we talk we we bring up. Uh, I don't know how you land with Adam Eden. Uh, we, people get burned so many times. Usually I'm for giving people a second chance, but at a meeting, I was never on board with that, and we, we got bit in the butt, and it we saw that it just did not work out.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: You, wa- you wonder how leagues that are so... Uh, Major League Baseball and the White Sox, how much money and how big they are, and how, sm- how many smart people work in and around the team, how they end up making decisions like that one. Because they're smart people that work for the Sox, and I don't know how that happened when there's so many more people out there that they could have looked into.
0: Yeah, I mean, they ended up signing guys that ended up being better than him in general, you know. They signed uh, Hamilton and Goodwin, both of who outperformed him. You know, granted, he did hit a couple of home runs in the, uh, you know, in the short time that he was starting in the first couple weeks of the season, he did win them a game or two uh, with uh, clutch hits. Uh, however, uh, he also did uh, lose a game or two with that uh, awful glove of his out in right field. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what happened there, but he made some horrendous plays out there in right field as well in those first couple of weeks. So.
1: I I see the the comments about being a placeholder. I I, I think that I agree. And I also think that's a crazy amount of money to just give someone just to be a placeholder when there's plenty of cheaper options that they probably could have given money to and done just as fine as a placeholder if that was what they're aiming for.
0: Yeah, that's kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, you sign them hoping you're going to get a ceiling. And, uh, instead you get his, his ceiling for like a week and then he got hurt and, you know, when he came back, he was a shell of what he was at the, uh, at the first couple of weeks and in, uh, spring training and, uh, yeah. Um, passed on Brantley. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess they passed on Brantley. I mean, yeah, like uh, Kendall says, Brantley was not leaving Houston, which I 100% agree with. But, uh, you know, you could say they passed on Bryce Harper as well. And, uh, you know, same thing. You know, whether he would have signed here and it would have been his uh, his forever home that uh, apparently Philadelphia is now or whether they just didn't want to spend the money, um, you know, whatever. You could say they passed on him. I suppose. Uh, they passed on, uh, you know, any number of free agents here in uh, the last 30 years as well. Um, it only produced war. Yeah, you know, uh, Brantley, he uh, he had some, yeah, I mean, there was a, a couple of those, you know. They passed on, uh, quote-unquote, passed on Springer as well. And uh, he ended up having uh, injuries for a lot of the year and um passed on uh i guess you could say that they passed on any number of free agents that were worth you know high high dollar contracts and uh i don't know exactly who they expected that Eaton was going to be a placeholder for other than it was just kind of like a general just like kind of a general thing where they're just like well we need somebody this year we know that um, well, who's going to take his place next year? Well, I don't know, but we know that it's not going to be any of them this year. And uh, so that's probably what that Eaton thing was. However, you know, I still think that they could have, uh, I don't know. Personally, I think they probably could have found some something a little bit better than that. But, uh, you know, hey, they gave it the old college try, I suppose. Which argument are you speaking about that you've had a lot on Twitter? Are you talking about the Eaton one? I'd love Brantley at DH, but he was not leaving Houston to play DH for the Sox. Yeah, uh, I I completely agree. He wasn't leaving. He, I don't think he wanted to leave Houston. I think he's uh, you know his family loves it there, and he loved it there. And um, from what I understand, he did not want to leave, and he cannot play right field. Uh, yeah, he can't play right field, and he certainly uh, cannot play center field. Um, which was mentioned as well earlier on. Oh yeah, just stick him out in center field. Oh, great idea, that guy. Um, the one that uh, the one that the White Sox, another one that the White Sox passed on, and I was perfectly fine with them passing on him, was uh, Eddie Rosario, and uh, he finds himself also in the World Series doing all sorts of crazy things. Um, you know making uh really nice catches and hitting every single baseball. So, uh, that was, uh, one of those ones where he was actually, he was bad when he was traded. Uh, so I was, um, trying to remember what that was. Um, I have to look that up. Um, yeah, it's like the, the Braves managed to, uh, completely replace half of their, half of their outfielders. And, uh, all that stuff for almost next to nothing, and all you know, and then here they find themselves in the World Series, you know.
1: Uh, for Pablo Sandoval.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Traded him, <laughs> traded him yeah. to get rid of the salary of Pablo Sandoval. And I want to say that. he was hitting like one sixty or something at the time, Or maybe that, maybe I'm thinking of Solaire because he was also. One of those guys that they got for uh, an expiring contract, and uh, the guy was hitting nothing.
1: Because I, I was, I when I'm bored, I, which happens to be a lot, I'll swipe through TikTok, and there's a TikTok of these guys who they, they'll post like uh, clips of their podcast and put them on there to kind of grow their podcast. And th- this discussion was about uh, how, the Braves in the World Series and some of the guys they picked up along the way. And they were talking about Rosario Soler, and uh, and Jack Peterson and how they gave up like very little to get all three of those guys because of them not performing. And then they go to the team and they just perform to where they should be at or even better. And now they're in the World Series.
0: It's funny how that works. You know, you get uh, Solaire, who's got a World Series ring. You got Peterson, who's got a World Series ring. Grants, you know, uh, Solaire didn't do anything for his. You know, he got one for uh, coming up and being on the Cubs for a little, you know, for a cup of coffee uh, that year. But, um, yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. You know, they just literally every single one of those deals that they made happened to turn out, and then all the ones that the White Sox did other than the DePara one ended up being a uh, big pile of nothing um, just ended up costing us a couple of prospects and I mean to be fair uh, I liked Connor Pilkington a lot um, but uh, you know you could you know like we've we've had the conversation here before is that you're only gonna be able to keep so many guys on your 40 man uh, with the rule 5 coming up uh, Pilkington would have been one of those guys that was uh, probably going to be have to have to be protected if he continued to pitch the way he was starting to pitch um, for the Barons at the time, and um, you know White Sox only have so many forty man spots available. So Kendall thinks that the that the Astros are going to come back to win it. I would not be surprised by that in the least bit, uh, simply because. The Braves have been doing this on a wing and a prayer for a while now. I mean, eighty eight wins, No Acuna, uh, picking up Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, and Eddie Rosario, and that's what they're rolling through the World Series with is three guys that they traded at the last minute for. And I I mean it's I would not be surprised. And, you know, and then Morton goes and gets his leg broke, you know, on a a shot up the middle. I mean, it's just just basically everything that could make it so you're feeling that Houston is going to come back to win uh every single little thing that could possibly go wrong for the Braves could be a very uh a very good possibility because their starting staff not as great as I mean granted, you know, the Astros starting staff without uh without uh what's his face? What's that uh what's that Jerks face? Uh mix something McCullers <laughs> yeah without oh, McCullers God. uh without I him
1: I don't know why I thought Justin Burrell <laughs> well yeah that jerk the, face the too <laughs>
0: uh I fear Kendall Bye. is right but I hope he's not I 100% agree with you I, no, I mean, would that? ugh, that's the last uh, thing I'm I want to hear
1: looking at- I was looking at Jorge Soler, he, 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 you were right. He, he got traded with, with like a buck 80, uh, average and just struggling all together. His numbers in the month of like, it was like 48, 40 less games than what he did with the Royals this season. His numbers pretty much matched up. He had like the same amount of hits, same amount of doubles, RBIs, every single one in 40 less games.
0: Uh, so Kendall, to answer your question, uh, I did not explain where Danny is. So you missed nothing. Uh, Danny, uh, works, uh, at a joint that does a bunch of stuff for, uh, automotive stuff. And, uh, apparently he had a metric ton of, uh, services come in, in the last couple of days. And, uh, he got stuck late. Uh, I don't know when he's getting home. Uh, so he just told me to, you know, move along without him. So here we are. We're chugging along. No Danny. I don't know where he's at. Maybe he'll pop into the chat when he gets around to it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, so I, I yeah, the, just every single thing that could go right for the Braves uh, into the playoffs pretty much did. And uh, pretty much... You know, that's that's you know that's how the the saying goes. Is it just uh, it, it's who's hot going into the playoffs that uh, sometimes will make it to the World Series, and uh, that's that's what happened. I don't I know it doesn't make it any better really, but it turns out the Sox lost to a really tough team in Houston. No, yeah, and that was the thing is that I knew that Houston was a good team, and I kind of expected the results. Unfortunately. Especially, you know, like all the things that we've talked about since, you know, since June, as far as the uh, streaky offense goes, and just the lack of uh, fundamentals and moving base runners along and situational hitting, uh, just all those factors were just seem like a really bad combination of things for the White Sox, and I kind of figured that, you know, this is where where we were going to end up at was that, uh, you know, even if we did beat uh, the first team that we played, which ended up being Houston, I kind of figured that, uh, you know, just the lack of situational hitting and everything just seemed to me that it was going to be one of those things where they just did not have the horses this year. Um, Especially seeing the way that the, uh, you know, the staff was, uh, I don't know, they might say differently, but, uh, it seemed that, you know, most of them were pretty run down at the, uh, down the stretch after having, you know, thrown so many innings earlier on in the year. So just kind of one of those things that, uh, maybe they peaked too early, you know, and, uh, it is what it is. Nothing you can do about it now. True. Yeah. Astros, Red Sox, cheating bastards. Yeah, I, t- no arguments here. Um, I don't like them, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much uh, this season. uh, I would have been fine with the Dodgers going. I know I'm in the minority there, Um, but uh, between the Dodgers and the Braves, I was fine with either, really. Uh, I was just hoping for the one that was – uh going to be good enough to eliminate the Astros and uh right now they're sitting up 3 to 2 still so i don't know we'll see um socks have just been playing like ass yeah well no uh no arguments here they have not uh they have definitely not been uh i don't know they're just a, the the things that you saw from them down the stretch this year are the kind of things that you don't want to see out of your playoff baseball team. Um which is bad situational hitting and uh you know uh bad fundamentals. It's just not not the kind of thing that's gonna get you a World Series win. Like when the mega money teams lose, nobody outside of Houston lose it likes them yeah no no kidding yeah everybody everybody hates the Astros and it's kind of like one of those things it's kind of like uh Yankees fans you know where for the most part nobody but other Yankees fans like other Yankees fans and even sometimes they don't even like other Yankees fans um it's just the, the the Houston uh Houston fan base really really uh likes to do that uh you know likes to do the heel you know to uh borrow the wrestling term no power bad pitching yeah yeah we've uh unfortunately we've uh talked about that topic entirely too much it's just kind of one of those things don't really like the Braves either yeah no i i i'm over them as well um but uh yeah. It's, Yankees fans fight over stupid stuff on Twitter and it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the Astros do the same thing. The Astros fans do the exact same thing is that, uh, you know, even the fact that they've gotten caught cheating twice, they'll still argue with you that it doesn't matter or that, uh, you know, they you know, where's your proof? Um, yeah, whatever. Um, so anywho. uh, Xavier, you want to work on this – you want to go to this uh, outfield thing here and take a look at uh, what we got going on here for the – I think it's the perfect time. Yeah, might as well, right? It seems like like a time to go over here and see this uh, outfield uh, mess of sorts. Um, Pretty ridiculous. All right, so moving along. Here we go. We're going to go over to – the, uh, outfield here. All right. So here we are. And, uh, yeah, everybody. Yeah. That's what, that's one of their things. Everybody does it. That's my, that's one of my favorite ones is that, uh, if you point out that they cheated, Everybody does it. Um, Well, no, not actually. Um, That's actually not true. Um, But, uh, anywho, um, so here is, I figured I'd start with uh, center field first because it is the easiest one to do. Um, Most games played in center field. Obviously, Luis Robert, um, after he came back from his uh, torn hip flexor, um, managed to get, uh, might be a mess, but it's our mess. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, 67 games for Luis Robert in center field. Um, next up is, uh, Billy Hamilton at 47 games played in center field. Now here's the thing about that is that, uh, you know, you add up all these numbers and it's not going to, uh, exactly, you know, match up to, uh, Match up to uh, 162 games because there's going to be a couple of uh, defensive replacements, which Billy Hamilton was a uh, a big one for. Um, he was second with 47 games played at center field. Uh, next, you had Brian Goodwin, who uh, made a couple of uh, made a couple of couple of decent plays out in center field. For the most part, he was uh, he looked like a uh, a right fielder or a left fielder playing center field. Um, but, you know, um, it's better than uh, some of the other names that we're, we're going to see, uh, like, uh, namely, uh, Danny Mendick playing a game in center field. That, uh, that to me, is a uh, grasping at straws uh, move right there, is that if you've got Danny Mendick playing center field, you know something went wrong. Uh, also, uh, Larry Garcia with 26 games and Adam Engel with 26 games. So center field, um, obviously we know Robert getting hurt in that last game. That last game again concerns me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was anything. Uh, I don't think it was anything uh, life threatening. And uh, judging by his uh, Lamborghini game, uh, I'm sure he's he's probably uh, feeling just fine. Um, so. The issues here is that you've got uh, Hamilton and Goodwin are both gone. Larry Garcia is gone as a free agent. Uh, you you have to sign Adam Engel on a arbitration deal. Uh, you paid him one million dollars last year for his for his arb year this year. Um, and uh, so basically, more or less, all those guys are gone. So um, you're looking for a backup center fielder, and Danny Mendick is not it. Um, all the other guys that we're going to look at for the uh, the other left and right field are also not it, um, not the kind of guys that you want playing center field for you. So uh, I guess basically the thing that we've got to say here is is that, uh, well, he can't get hurt again. Because if he gets hurt again, this team is going to be in a real bad spot again, despite the fact that, uh, you know, he only played 67, 68 games, 69 games, whatever it is, nice. Um, You know, if he's not playing a full season next year, if he's not playing 145 games, 150 games next year, uh, this team's in serious trouble, Um, not only defensively because – He's good, um, but also offensively, if he is not around next year, you saw what he could do when he came back. Uh, I think it was from like August, uh, I forget what the date was that he came back from his injury, but from the time that, uh, both him and Yasmani Grandal came back from their injuries, I think they were like number two and number three in, uh, production after that time period, um... So this is kind of one of those things that, uh, as far as a grade for center field, um, I'm gonna have to say it's probably a a B would be my thought. Um, just simply because of the way they handled. Uh, getting through the time that Robert was not there. And then when Robert did come back and before he left uh, with the injury as well, he was also playing well, Um, you know, filling it in with uh, Hamilton. And, uh, I mean, Larry wasn't the best, but uh, at least he put up some, uh, you know, at least halfway decent numbers. Um, And then Engel, you know, again, you know, for the third season in a row, uh, dealing with, uh, long, long injury times. So I don't know, maybe go B minus on that. But, uh, what do you think about that, Xavier?
1: Oh, one, one quick run through of just the grades that you gave. I heard the reasoning just to refresh your grades.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's probably a B minus, um, because Robert was so good, um, filling filling in with Hamilton, uh, and, just due to the, um, the work that the White Sox did with Hamilton to stop him from being a switch hitter and get him to hit from one side, and his offenses numbers did go up. He hit a couple of clutch home runs, and uh, he put up some, you know, put up some decent offensive numbers. Nothing great, but uh, certainly more than we expected out of Billy Hamilton. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I would say it.
1: the safe, safe bet because. I don't think they, it wasn't quite a C. Like, I didn't think they are average, especially with how strong uh, Robert was at times, and especially with some of these other guys stepping up. So I'd say, I, I would agree with the B-minus there. Um, I think with the full season of Robert, we could easily see it be much higher, I'm thinking. Yeah. I, uh, I, a lot of those guys came up big. I, I can, Some of those games where Brian Goodwin was the, the star... I think he had like a walk-off home run that one game or big hit. Billy Hamilton's aggressive, uh, both on the base path ends in the outfield. Uh, One thing, though, like Angle. Angle is going into the next couple seasons, though. He is another question mark. I like him, and he he has improved over the years. But uh, to keep with his history, to keep hoping he can be... uh, than a platoon guy that's a lot lots ask from him especially if he's injured again
0: yeah that's that's pretty much where i am with with him as well is that i don't have any doubt that when he's healthy the he could at least be a very very competent fourth outfielder but the issue has been for you know two two years uh, two seasons now um that he can't stay healthy uh, enough to show off those improved offensive numbers that, uh, that I mean, in small sample sizes, he has done really well offensively. But the issue is, is that they're small sample sizes because he keeps getting hurt. Is that he is, uh, you know, in those small sample sizes, if he reproduces like that in a full-time role, he could be your starting right fielder. The issue is, is that he hasn't been healthy for long enough to actually keep that position and hold it down. So, you know, is that what you want to roll into next year again? Pitting your hopes on, you know, and I, as, as far as a person goes, Like I've heard nothing but stellar reviews about Adam Engel as a human being and as a uh, as a team guy, great guy. Just you know, is he going to stay healthy? And unfortunately, that is one of those things that we're left wondering again. Um, I'm sure that he comes back if they can, you know, if they can manage to get him for around what they paid for him this year maybe a slight bump in pay, but I, I can't see them giving him much more than that because, you know, he hasn't played enough games to be able to warrant that.
1: Uh, sure, every team wants the best-case scenario out of all their players, but when it comes to the Sox, it seems like we're counting a lot on guys for their best-case scenarios. That also happen to be, like, career-best all- scenarios there's players that other teams have where they're they'll get like averages and be good but like we can't even get that with some of these guys these guys we ask a ton of for people who haven't really proved much in their mlb time
0: yeah that's that's pretty much um i don't know if you uh listen to the good guys talk black uh podcast or uh, a little good bit guys talk back uh podcast um the thing that they mentioned was you know if the Astros were coming up with a hole such as the White Sox have at second base and right field do you feel that they would operate the same way as the White Sox are and sign what the White Sox are signing and that's the thing you know as if if you saw that the uh Do you see the Astros signing Adam Eaton as their starting right fielder, even as a stopgap? I do not. Uh, Same thing with, uh, you know, any of the other, you know, like uh, long-running franchises. It's just signings like that seem to me like they are uh, very White Sox signs. And uh, if I look at a successful forward thinking franchise that is not the kind of signing that they are going to make. You know, I mean, I think that as far as Eaton goes with the Nationals and winning the World Series, yes, he did make it through that season for the most part, uh, mostly uninjured. However, I think that if the Nationals had had their choice and not traded away Dane Dunning. Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez for Adam Eaton I feel that they probably would have been much happier with those three guys than with Adam Eaton or with a different outfielder but they had him under contract and there was not really a whole lot they could do with him so they rolled with it and also if you remember when he did win that World Series um, that team was I want to say in like June like they were like 20 something games under 500 and then they just caught fire at the end of the season and rolled in through that world series and ended up winning the world series. And he was 100% on board with that, that he was terrible for the first half of the season, you know? So I don't know. It just, just to me, it seems to me like if, if I'm looking at the way, uh, some of these other franchises run their, uh, their free agency grind and then i look at what uh what the white Sox are doing i it it doesn't it's not the same you know we're not uh we're not apples to apples here it just doesn't seem like uh you know things are necessarily you know the same for uh you know on both sides of the fence here what do you think about that
1: yeah i feel like if we ended up going and bringing in nelson cruz like he wouldn't be what he did with between the twins and the Rays this year. You'd have been what we got out of uh Yonder Alonso or something like that. It just it seems uh, just their luck, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's kinda of one of those and it's been it's been one of those things, you know. It's like every time the White Sox sign a free agent, I mean not every time because uh yeah Yeah Yes you know? has been good, you know? And uh but a lot of the time, you know, if the guy's doing average elsewhere or slightly below average on their career numbers. If he comes here, if it's slightly before befo- you know, below his normal averages, when he comes here it's absolutely going to tank. And uh if he's, you know, doing fairly well, he's going to, you know, s- just slightly underperform his averages once he gets here. You know, I mean, it's uh, you look at the uh the C- the Cesar Hernandez, you know, when we acquired are- him,
1: You know, Mar, Edwin, all those guys.
0: Yeah. uh, All of the Adams, uh, LaRoche, uh, Eaton, Dunn. (laughs) I mean, granted, you know, Dunn did have one halfway decent year where he hit some home runs, but his first year, I think he hit like 156 or something. I mean, and then, you know, LaRoche, you know, with uh, Drake ends up sending the entire franchise into a free fall and uh, gets people setting each other on fire and cutting each other with knives in the locker room over uh, over Drake being allowed to hang out. You know, I mean, you know, obviously. I'm wearing my,
1: I have an Adam Dunn signed hat. Like, what am I supposed to do with a signed hat? i dresser.
0: That is a That is a big-time collector's item right there.
1: Doesn't display as nice as say a jersey on the wall.
0: Well, you can figure out some sort of shadow box, but it's still signed by Adam Dunn, so that's that's an issue. <laughs> <year. laughs> yeah, so I don't know, man. It's uh, basically, I guess, center field. Uh, I I was pretty happy with how center field was this year, uh, given that uh, Luis Robert got injured fairly early. And uh, they filled it in with uh, a hodgepodge of of guys. I thought that it, I I thought that it went pretty well actually. Um, considering I thought that this year's uh, free agent acquisition, just like weird pickups like Brian Goodwin and Billy Hamilton, like they actually ended up being halfway decent pickups, you know. Um, which is you know, and, and they did like the thing that I'm so used to seeing happen for other teams, like the Braves in the World Series, where they pick somebody up and. They'll actually play some baseball and help spark and ignite the team, as opposed to uh, you know completely sending it into a uh, giant funnel uh, whirlpool into the bottom of the sea. So that was nice. Um, all right, so moving along, uh, let's go ahead and move to right field. Oh, that's what I that's what I did. All right, here is your right field. Uh, with games played for the White Sox in 2021. Uh, Most games in right field, Adam Eaton at 55, uh, followed by Brian Goodwin with 43, Larry Garcia with 34, uh, Andrew Vaughn with 18, uh, Gavin Sheets with 13, Adam Engel with 10, uh, Jake Lamb, J-Glam, J-Clam, nine games, Danny Mendick, eight games. Luis and Romy, the Gonzalez brothers, both with three games, and then uh, Billy Hamilton with two.
1: I I would like. I wonder if other teams seem to have lists this long. I'm sure, like a lot of other teams, go through a handful of people in their outfield, or just maybe the infield. They they have this situation, but. Uh, Some of these lists seem way too long for a team that's a contender. I feel you don't see people being, like, everyday guys the same way as once were. It makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not 1985 anymore, you know? So the the days of having, uh, like, Cal Ripken-type guys that are playing 162 a year um, are mostly gone, and, uh, you know, with the – platoon splits and things like that where you know certain guys happen to kill you know one side of the pitcher's mound or the other you know there's there's uh, a lot of that going on as well um and you know also you have to wonder as well you know how much of this has to do with the fact that guys are trying to hit more home runs and so there's more swing and miss uh in their swing planes there's there's a bunch of that uh you know there's I'm sure that there's a bunch of that that weighs in different directions on this uh, on this subject. But, yeah, it's uh, this list is too long. Um, and, you know, the fact that uh, Adam Eaton, you're looking at, I mean, granted, they, they did pay him to go away, and uh, they did end up paying, you know, most of his salary. Uh, you know, the fact that he's at least got the most games in right field, I guess, is saying something. Um, but the fact that his numbers were really bad outside of the first two weeks of the season uh, doesn't really say a whole lot. Your um, Brian Goodwin, forty three. I, I, you know, his splits are fairly even from both sides of the plate, or uh, from you know, right-handers or left-handers. His splits are fairly even, and he he did okay. Um, you know, again, this is you know like like you were saying is that we've got a very long list of names here and therein lies the problem is that Brian Goodwin was let go by a couple of other teams you know i mean he was let go by the angels and um and nobody else you know really uh you know i i don't know what you know i'm not his agent so i don't know how many offers he got but he ended up here and um as the season progressed, uh, his numbers declined. And, um, you know, the, the stuff that we were seeing earlier when he was just getting to the team, uh, those numbers started to dwindle. And as the season went along, uh, it got worse and worse. And the issues that he had, uh, in the outfield, you know, saying like missing cutoff men, uh, 90% 90% of the time. He just doesn't like throwing to cutting cut off men for whatever reason it is that absolutely drove me nuts. Um, you know, just, uh, like we say about, uh, uh, Johan Mankata earlier, you know, saying that, uh, the flaws became magnified and were more glaring, you know, as we continued to watch. And, um, you know, uh, brian goodwin ended up uh i think he ended up hitting like 220 or something and uh, i know you know the whole batting average thing um but uh you know his numbers just did not end up uh where we would hope and uh certainly not enough to uh end up sticking around probably more than likely i don't uh, i don't foresee him being here again next year um especially uh, if i if i remember correctly i think spot track had him at like You know, $1.3 million or $1.7 million or something, something like that, which I, I seriously doubt is going to happen. I don't see them spending that kind of money on him. Um, Larry Garcia also gone, um, via free agency, uh, 34 games. Uh, you saw him in Houston in, uh, game two. Uh, so you saw the, uh, the full gamut of uh, Larry Garcia in this playoff series. You saw the horribly played uh, ball in right field. Uh, You saw a gigantic grand slam or uh, what was that? Three, sorry, three run home run out of him. You know, you saw, you know, a couple of big hits here and there. Um, It's kind of what you're going to get from Larry Garcia. It's, you know, like the, uh, the, Chris Taylor with less power, as, as we mentioned earlier, you know? Um, he's uh, he's halfway decent. He's best when utilized as a uh, utility man, despite the fact that uh, Tony does not want us to disrespect Lauri's name with the title of utility. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what you're looking at. Uh, 34 games out of Lauri Garcia. Not a great outfielder. Not a terrible outfielder. Um but not worthy of a, a starting spot in right field for sure. Um, next on down the line, you've got, uh, Andrew Vaughn who played a few games in right field. Um, also misjudged some plays, made a couple of decent plays, you know, right field was not his, uh, his main position this year, er, this year. So we'll get to, uh, get to that in a little bit. Um, Chris Taylor does hit the cutoff, man. That is true. Chris Taylor is a fundamental baseball player, which is why I understand why people would like to get him here. Um, I'm just skeptical that he'll actually end up here. And, I, you know, from talking to you off off stream, I know that uh, you pretty much feel the same way. Um, It's just, you know, I kind of doubt that he's going to get out there at all, you know, even to get to the point of negotiations. Um, Gavin sheets with 13 games in right field. Um, just like Andrew Vaughn, uh, and Jake lamb, who's next on the list, uh, or, or next, next on the list. Um, all first basemen or corner infielders, um, who are playing right field. And, uh, Right field's kind of You know, usually you put your weakest fielder in left field. And uh, the White Sox still may have done that by putting Eloy in left field and having uh, Vaughn and Sheets in right field. They still might have uh, achieved that uh, normal, you know, that bit of normalcy. Um, However, uh, putting Jake Lamb, Gavin Sheets, and Andrew Vaughn in right field me seems ungood. So, um, that, uh, you know, they outperformed what I thought that we would get out of those guys, uh, in the outfield, I suppose, as, uh, they were better than a corpse in right field. Um, but, uh, yeah. This uh this right field group right here, as far as uh, being right fielders, this is a grim list. How are you feeling about it?
1: I I just took a peek at the other list, and I think that one might just be as bad. Uh, yeah, they have. This is something that I noticed. They have the, the issue. They just seem to don't want to place as one person, one spot, and just run with it you see a lot of guys playing it's almost as if the team their whole team's utility men i don't know if you've noticed but outside of like maybe tim anderson jose abreu and mencato they're they're playing all over yes obviously everyone else free game wherever you want to play
0: (laughs) yeah it's kind of like a piecemeal thing you know they're just like oh well you know uh, We need a body over there, so let's just go. Well, he's got a bat, so we'll just go ahead and throw him there. Well, he's never played there since Little League. Yeah, whatever, he'll figure it out. You know? I mean, that's basically what they did with Andrew Vaughn. I mean, number one, heading into the season, they were expecting a rookie to be their DH, which that right there on you know when we go back to that question that was asked by the uh, the good guys talk back guys now would you see the Red Sox, the Yankees, the uh the Rays, even I mean, even the Rays, the guys who seemingly take guys from nowhere and they come out and produce at a league average or plus league average, uh, clip. Do you see any of those teams rolling out with a rookie who's had f- like what? Uh, a hundred games at advanced a and low a, do you see any of those teams rolling out that guy at DH? I don't.
1: And this seems like a, like a, Pl- an organization-wide thing because we're seeing uh, this, as much as experiments with the players on the field. You're seeing that on the pitching staff too. Guys who probably will be should and will be starters. The way the roster is at the time, forced to be in the bullpen and not uh, even being worked out to way that they could progress into the longer roles. Heading into the end of the season or in the future,
0: yeah. This, you know, it's yeah, I agree. You know, it's 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 an organizational thing. You know, Um, you can just, I mean, just when we move to left field here in a second, it'll be more of the same thing. You know, um, that that Uh, one, you know, like this list is is fairly terrible. You know um, but they
1: they didn't perform the same as say center field so gotta go a lower grade here I, I did see one uh Luis Gonzalez game where he did it was a uh, against the Mariners he did he played a little outfield but it he, he did come up clutch with a nice double that game so
0: yeah you know like that's...
1: point zero zero two points on that one
0: yeah but see here is the fundamental difference with Luis Gonzalez playing in the outfield, Jake Lamb, Danny Mendick, Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, and for the most part, you know, uh, Larry Garcia, um, and for, you know also uh, Romy Gonzalez for for that much. I mean, he when the White Sox drafted Romy Gonzalez when he was in, when he went to Miami, he was a second baseman, a third baseman, and a shortstop. And then when the White Sox drafted him, they moved him to the outfield immediately. So this goes straight to that point that you were making that it's an organizational thing, is that they took him as a a D D1 shortstop, third baseman, second baseman, and when they drafted him, they moved him to outfield. You know? Which, you know, fine. hes He's played outfield. But here's the thing. The difference here is that Luis Gonzalez is an outfielder. And he's technically he is a center fielder. He can play the outfield. He's not uh he's never gonna be a gold glove outfielder, but he is an outfielder. That is the difference with two-thirds of this list with Luis Gonzalez, is that he is actually an outfielder. So you know yeah he'll go out there and he'll make decent plays he'll get the ball he'll throw it to the cutoff man and he'll do what's asked of him as an outfielder of course now he's gone and uh you know he got poached with a non-operational shoulder which you know what what are you going to do you know um but uh yeah so that's that's my issue here is that I'm looking at this and half of these guys that I'm looking at they're infielders, and I understand, you know, that they're just trying to get bats into the lineup. But at the same time, you know, this speaks to, uh, you know, organizational depth uh, that's been one of those uh, bugaboos for years now. Um, is that you know, where are the outfielders from the minor leagues? And we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, as far as as far as that goes. But you, you know, I mean. Obviously, you see what I'm saying here because you're looking at this list as well, just like I am. Um, look at the chat here right quick. Uh, Kendall says he was at that game. Luis Gonzalez had some potential out there. Yeah, Luis Gonzalez was not a bad outfielder. Um, not a bad outfielder, not a bad baseball player. Um, I kind of felt like he got uh, a little bit of the short end of the stick. Um, but, you know, hey, and then he, got, he ended up – I mean, he, part of the issue was is that he, he – just like everybody else on this stupid roster, <laughs> everybody got hurt. Uh, he was no exception. He also uh, he also ended up – I think he got a hamstring, and then when he fixed that, uh, then he was already back in the minors, um, and then he tore his shoulder. So ended up needing surgery on his shoulder as well and uh, ended up getting picked up off of waivers uh, when we tried to pass the injured guy through waivers. So um, – he gunned down Kyle Seeger. Yes, he did. He made Kyle Seeger look real dumb. Uh, speaking of Mariners, stated they are not picking up Seeger's option. Well, yes, that is true. They did say that they are not picking up Seeger's option. And I don't know if you saw it or not, but uh, that drunken rambling uh, of their old uh, old GM when he went and did that uh, COVID uh, over Zoom uh, kind of like a, what was that? It was like a fundraiser or something along those lines. It was like some sponsor, some company that they work with. Uh, he ended up doing like some Zoom call on there, and they told him to give a speech, and so he ended up giving a speech and ended up basically telling everybody that they were holding down Jared Kellenick because they didn't want to pay him for an extra year. Same with Julio Rodriguez, and uh, basically that Seeker was gone. So, I mean... I pretty much thought that Seeger was gone after seeing that that uh awful awful lapse in judgment on that uh that zoom call which was really funny and he was very obviously drunk but uh defense matters hitting the cutoff man especially yet yeah, you know it, that and true sayer you know that really came came back to bite him so much um came back to bite him so much in the playoffs you know, when they're not hitting the cutoff man and the trailing runner's advancing, and, uh, you know, where the guys are just taking the extra base because the guys are just throwing the ball wherever they wanted to. And, you know, Luis Robert, who's generally, he's probably about like a 60, 70% guy on good decisions when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, even in the playoffs, even he was trying to play some hero ball and throw that ball all the way to home plate, uh, you know, causing. Trailing runners to move up and so on and so forth. Uh, he started to hit as he got more abs. Yeah, I assume that you're talking about Luis Gonzalez. And if you're saying that, I would say that that is true as well. Is that uh, he would hit? And I also felt that Romy Gonzalez, if he, you know, as it was mentioned uh, earlier up there by Grimtal that you hope Romy gets a shot at second base. I also hope he gets second, you know, a shot at second base. Um, and I feel that if he gets more, uh, he gets more at bats he'll get comfortable up in up in the major leagues. I mean, he uh you know, in double A he was just crushing the ball. First 2020 guy since 2000 Aaron Rowan. and uh you know, they move him to triple A and he just continues where he left off and actually they can't get him out in triple A, so they promote him. And uh then he comes up here and just ends up sitting on the bench. So uh he doesn't get a whole lot of at bats and um uh, Seager's kind of washed though. Yeah, Seager's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I...
1: Well, I was looking this up, He he's washed, but he got to play 159 games this year, which allowed them to have career highs in home runs and RBIs, also, strikeouts. He struck out 161 times. You know, these, these clueless White Sox fans, if they saw the home runs and RBIs they might get excited.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is that uh they automatically think because home runs and strikeouts if you have high strikeouts and low home runs, you're bad. And we should probably just trade you, you know? That's that seems to be the uh at least the 60% 70% consensus on Twitter. Um all right, so let's move on. Uh, oh, I guess I I didn't give a grade for right field. I don't know, man. <laughs> that's that's a really ugly list. Um, despite, uh, despite Larry Garcia and Brian Goodwin, um, just at the mere fact that two-thirds of this list is infielders and that Adam Eaton has the most amount of games played and also probably has the worst stats out of all of them, um, I can't give that anything better than a... A D.
1: Now I'm gonna go give them a deep uh, partially uh, on their performance but partially on organizational failure. Uh, this shouldn't be what we're seeing should not be the way it is and have guys shouldn't be there have to do what they have to do. Uh, That's a that's a tall ask and as much as I think the players on the players no matter where they're put they need to compete and play perform well uh this time i'm gonna give that a slight pass and put a little bit on the team as a whole and an organization so i'm gonna go same grade d yeah
0: i mean this is not what i want to say about my about my team you know the team that i follow ever you know and uh i try not to be overly critical but i mean like you just look at this list and it's just uh I don't know. It's nonsensical. I'm to excited
1: for the next one. One of the names that's going to be like, wait, I almost forgot about that guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, so moving to uh, left field, the final spot. This right here. Even bigger. Yeesh. So your number one, which was, you know, to be expected after, uh, you know, we talked about this before, is that. You have Andrew Vaughn, who is a rookie, never gotten an at-bat in Major League Baseball, is going to be your starting DH when the season's coming up. Aloy decides to uh, do something stupid and act like he's uh, hanging from a basketball rim and ends up uh, tearing his pec muscle. Um And then all of a sudden, Andrew Vaughn is now the starting left fielder for your Chicago White Sox. Um, Andrew Vaughn, 95 games in left field. And to be honest, he was not that bad, all things considered. You know, for a guy who hasn't played outfield since uh, Little League, um, he wasn't too bad. Um, Now... The other main issue here with uh, with Andrew Vaughn is that he actually was probably better on defense um, than he was on offense this year, and that is not what anybody was expecting, and that's certainly what not anybody was hoping would happen. Um, yeah, just ugly. Yeah, I th- I, you know, I think that Nick Williams, I think the Nick Williams thing was that he played a lot in spring training, and I think that that's probably why you felt that he played more games because he ended up getting – uh, he got sent down real quick. Um, Vaughn ended up not being all that good overall. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I will say he was much better at defense than he was at offense. He had a couple of big hits, um, but he was better at defense than he was at offense. So knowing that he was better than I expected in left field, which I expected him to be absolutely uh, team-killing, the fact that he was not uh, team-killing in left field and made a couple of decent plays um, but was still overall a negative – um if I'm saying that that's that he's better defensively this year that should uh, pretty much sum up how I feel about that um yeah he, yeah Vaughn had some Jim Edmonds in him which is which if I'm reading you correctly means that either a he misplayed a ball and ended up having to uh yeah exactly made plays harder than they were because of his lack of speed and uh his, his routes weren't terrible but I mean you know it's Still, you know, learning, uh, learning on the job at the major league level, um, is generally not easy. And uh, expecting him to do it on offense and defense was a terrible, uh, terrible, just a terrible idea in general. Just a mismanagement, and it's it was not good. Yeah, he should have started in AAA. I 100% agree. And, um, uh, let's go and look at this list. Uh, 37 games, Aloy. after he finally made it back, um, had a couple of, had a couple of good weeks. And, uh, then he started, um, slumping as the season started tailing off, um, which ended up leading right into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, he ended up actually, you know, his, his batting average was, you know, fairly decent. Uh, and he did have you know a couple of decent hits there in the uh playoff series, but um the power seriously lacking um, Vaughn showed that he was a much better overall athlete than I expected. yes, i one hundred percent agree I felt like he was way better in the outfield when when they made that announcement that he was going to be playing left field. I was ardently against it, and I thought it was a terrible idea and was not good for his development, was not good for the team. And as it turned out, you know, he ended up being better defensively, and he performed pretty much exactly how I thought he was going to offensively, which was uh, – You know, he had uh, he had some decent times, and he had a lot of slumps. And it's what a rookie ends up doing, especially when they come from advanced A. You know? So where are you did. at on this list, Xavier?
1: Uh, just to comment on Vaughn really quick, he did have three outfield assists, just two airs, which uh, I'll take that for a guy who's not normally an outfielder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Um, uh, the the person that I w- was mentioning when we were talking about uh, right field, that I was like, I almost forgot about that name, was Nick Williams because of how lo- how wild the season what really was and the different uh, characters involved. Nick Williams is one of those people that will be like a, a trivia question in some random White Sox trivia night. Uh, do you remember th- this guy played only 3 games in left field. It was 2021 White Sox.
0: Yeah. we will get <laughs> Kendall Kendall is to the Kendall has been beaten so badly into submission that he says that Jake Lamb actually was not that bad out there. <laughs> when you're saying that Jake Lamb wasn't that bad in the outfield, you know that things have gone the wrong way. Um did he take a first pitch at all during the last month of the season? Uh no. Um speaking of Aloy, uh everybody that's listening here, um I don't believe that he did. Uh he was swinging at everything. Uh his yeah, he was I don't know what he was doing that last month of the season, but it did not look like any Aloy Jimenez that I've ever seen play. Uh, at least for that long, usually when he would go into a slump like that, it would be like a week or two long. This was like a month, a month and a half with the playoffs mixed in. It got, uh, you know, luckily some of those guys, uh, gave him belt high fastballs and he ended up taking it over the fence. So that helped things out a little bit, but man, yeah, his, uh, when he came back, he had some ugly, ugly moments. All right, so moving on this list, uh, Billy Hamilton played uh, – I'm actually kind of surprised that Billy Hamilton had 18 games in left field. Um, I'd say most of them are probably uh, defensive insertions, if you will. Um, I can't remember how many times he came in as a defensive replacement in left field, but it definitely happened probably at least half of those times. you got your Gonzalez brothers split in three. Uh, Eaton with one. Engel with four. Layery with 26 because he plays everywhere. Um, Goodwin had six. Um, Jay Clam, uh, 16 games. Mendick with two. Sheets with four. And the aforementioned Nick Williams with three. Um, also, a very, very ugly list. And um Yeah. I what are you thinking as far as uh grade level here, Xavier? Um
1: similar, maybe maybe a higher D plus C minus, maybe uh, especially we at times with the various production uh, offensively, the counterbalance it. Like, Eloy Eli had a, that short stretch that was um, commendable, and various other guys on this list had various short stretches. But I'm hoping we see moving forward solid, like, a starter, someone that's going to be there. Hundred games. I, I want to see someone in triple digits next year. That will produce on a semi-regular basis. Not guys filling in here and there and doing whatever they can for two games and getting cold again. Because that's not going to win them championships or at least a championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at when you look at all three of these lists that we've gone through, and, no, and actually.
1: You finished. No, finish. go ahead. Go ahead.
0: It's gonna take a. It's gonna take a minute.
1: Yeah. It, honestly, though, the DCs that we're thrusting at, and the, obviously center field is a whole different story with having Robber. But that's uh, great. Obviously, to be honest, because like, the, the season's 162 games long, and to be able to manage what they did this season, their record, and put up those amount of wins, uh, pretty wild. Especially when you're starting to see some of these names on paper. Yeah. I wonder how did they really do it cuz wow.
0: That's that's exactly that's exactly right. Is that you look at this I mean you look at all three of these lists and I guess I'll stick to this list for right now. Um when you look at this list, uh the guy that you planned on playing left field um who a lot of people didn't want in left field before he was uh before he was a moron and tore his pectoral muscle on the fence. Um only played thirty seven games because he got injured. And the top starting guy is Andrew Vaughn, who is a first baseman. That's who your starting left fielder is for your team for an entire year. Um, other than the last month of the season, um, it's, it's, it's bad. It's not good. Um, for the mere fact that Andrew Vaughn, like I said, is a first baseman and that, uh, he played much better than expected. And, you know, I know that everybody says, oh, he's a polished bat and that uh, he, you know, when he was first drafted, oh, he could come up and start right now. Um, Besides all that stupid talk that is nowhere close to uh, accurate about anybody, um, I thought that he did halfway, you know, he did a pretty decent job. Um, For on-the-job learning experience, I thought he did all right. Um, So I'll... I'm with you. I'm going to go a little bit higher than the right field, which would be a D plus.
1: Yeah. The, the the only reason I remember Vaughn being pretty solid for a longer stretch was because of uh, White Sox Twitter account, uh, Shy Sox Mike up until almost July. He was, when they ever showed their rookie rankings and how, uh, Andrew Vaughn wasn't really included towards the end on the, how he should maybe be Rookie of the Year uh, Shy Sox Mike went to the very end trying to be like come on, come on he should be on the, a Rookie of the Year candidate and then towards the end of the season I started to really notice him tailing off even more but the only reason I remember him being solid at all was because of Shy Sox Mike
0: Yeah, it's, you know He had a layoff as well, and he was only at uh, – you know, he's only at offsite at the uh, the Boomers Stadium. And that comes after his first season of, you know, pro ball. So it's his first long season, which in that season he started off fairly well and then tailed off as the season went along because it was the longest season he had ever played he has a layoff the next season and only is working out in Schaumburg which doesn't count and then this year is expected to play 162 as a dh then the starting left fielder gets hurt they bump him into left field which he hasn't played since high school or middle school or something you know since pony ball and you know with all of those things factored in. I thought he did a great job. However, this is a team award, not an individual award, so I'm still giving the left field thing a D plus because the rest of that list didn't really you know, like, Aloy, as much as I I, want to say, oh, when he came back, he was great like I did with Luis Robert, I can't say that about Aloy because he got lucky a couple of times and played bingo and hit some home runs, but you know, as was mentioned in the chat here is that he, he's swinging at every pitch that was thrown up there. The selectiveness was nowhere to be found. You know, he's striking out a bunch, rolling over everything. Cause he's trying to hit home runs on outside sliders. I mean,
1: and if you're, if you're, if you're swinging at everything, you're bound to get lucky a couple times. Exactly.
0: Especially with that kind of easy power. You know, I'm not exactly sure. Like mentally what's going on there as far as his approach and everything, but oof. Yeah, that hey mom, that hi mom thing. I could,
1: uh, I could. He's still the best. I,
0: I could, I could do without ever hearing that ever again. Um, I just want him to play baseball and shut up, and uh, not do stupid things in the outfield. Apparently, that's too much to ask. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm. Uh, that's where I'm at. So, I guess we're looking at a D minus, a D plus, and. Uh, what, B-minus? Yep.
1: So the outfield as a whole, combine all those, probably a low C.
0: Yeah, that's like a 70%. That's just above passing, which is essentially, you know, what what the team did. They did just enough Through. To, to beat their horse crap division, you know, and, uh, you know as we saw going into the uh into the playoffs that uh they didn't have the horses, you know? They just didn't have the horses. They you know, we've talked about this before is that they need to do something and you know, I I know Kendall does not agree uh in the chat, but uh you know, I was always the uh, the sign Bryce Harper guy and uh didn't happen. And uh, here we are, still years later, still looking for a right fielder, and oh look, we're still looking for a left-handed hitter as well. And you know, like we're still we're still doing this stupid dance year after year after year. Um, here we are. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's something the White Sox seem to do. They they seem to let. Issues linger long for for like ever. The White Sox for so long needed a third baseman and we, we just have one now. Uh, that, that happens for a few different positions, but third base at the moment the one that sticks in my head and obviously right field it's the one we've needed for several years and we still haven't found someone. They keep tossing the idea that they can just split time between a handful of players and hasn't worked out the way it should if they would have just ponied up and done what they should have done.
0: Yeah, see, that's not how baseball actually works in the real world, is that you can string along uh, a bunch of platoon players and get, uh, you know, league average replacement player levels, which is two-or, roughly. And, you know, you string all this you know all this garbage together for the most part um and that's and that's what you're looking at you know is replacement level baseball and you know if Moncada and Abreu didn't go insane in April and May they don't even win that division you know I mean, it's the fact that they, they're they're like what, two weeks into June and they're like twenty game, eighteen games over five hundred. And then they maintained that until the last week. Um maintained that until the last week of the season until they finally went six and one and ended up uh you know, bouncing themselves up over five hundred, uh, or up over twenty by a a decent margin. You know, they were sitting there bouncing back and forth between eighteen and twenty two for Two and a half months. Um, so you know, and it's like I, you know, we've we've talked about this, uh, you know, like with uh, this show before. Uh, we're gonna sit here and try and be positive. And uh, the unfortunate thing is that we started on the outfield, the one place where it's real hard to be positive. Anywhere else other than center field, and that was only if you know for seventy games. So, uh, so many fans said it didn't matter though. Yeah, I know. Are you say you got, you got latency? Cause, uh, I'm showing that I got zero drop frames here, Kendall, which is actually, uh, last week was brutal. I kept on having dropped frames like for like 30 seconds at a time. Although I do see uh Xavier freezing up every once in a while, but, uh, you know, for the most part, everything seems to be kosher on my end. Uh, All of the issues were just going to magically fix themselves the last two weeks of the season and then playoffs. Yeah, that's, that. you know, we talk, I mean, (laughs) again, you know, like we talk about it here. We're the foolish ones. Yeah, exactly, is that, you know, the the people in the chat here, uh, the people on this stream here, um, you know, if we bring any of this stuff up, you know, I don't know. Apparently, we're uh, I negative Nancy's naysayers. You know, um, but uh, you know, I call it being realistic, and um, I like to take a realistic look at this stuff so I know. I so I know exactly what I'm what I'm looking at. You know, so I know exactly what to expect. And this is pretty much you know, like this is the. This is pretty much. What I expected, looking at the roster after Robert and Aloy got injured super early uh the fact that you know they made it uh into the playoffs and uh managed to win one game again uh it's pretty much what I expected when those two guys got injured, and I thought they were out for the whole year. luckily, you know they came well at least luckily Robert came back. Earlier than that, and you put up some solid numbers for, you know, thirty, forty games or whatever it was since he came back. But um, we don't watch the games with our eyes. That is true. And if and if you disagree, you sound like Cub fan.
1: <laughs> I was laughing at Cubs one.
0: You need some Red Bull. That's I guess you- so. Kendall's asking you. Yeah, I, I don't know, young, man. Sometimes. The whole oh,
1: thing's just yeah. Uh, um. I lost my train of thought here. First thought was on Wi-Fi. I do think I'm. I must have bad Wi-Fi here because I keep skipping out. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, lately, I've noticed, especially when I'm on like FaceTime calls with my my sister, like it won't be her connection. It'll be making comments about my connection. So, so take a look at that this week.
0: Yeah. Call up the, call up the Comcast or AT&T and crack some skulls. Say,
1: Hey guys, some skulls. we pay you through the roof and you give me this bad wifi. Yeah, You give me it's this all I have. It's all I need.
0: Yeah. I need to do the same, you know, I'm paying for better speeds than I'm getting as well. And, uh, you know, Cocaine in like,
1: a can. Yeah. You know, so, I might, uh, what's up? Time starts. I was yawning. Sometimes towards the end of these streams, I do need a little boost. So I gotta, I gotta keep like a Red Bull or some candy back here because the first ninety minutes, I'm pretty okay. I don't know. Sometimes at the end of the night, lately I've been sleeping way more. Like going to bed even earlier. I used to be staying up till. Really late nights, but ever since I started working early in the morning, I'll sleep super early.
0: Yeah, that'll do it to you. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, outfield was a funnel. Um, I think we'll move on next week and probably move to uh, third base and shortstop and hit hit those two in one week. Sounds like a fairly decent uh, actually. We could probably even do. Are we going around the horn? Yeah, we might as well go through the uh, entire uh, infield with uh, third, short, second, and first, because you know most of them are just, uh, for the most part, uh, pretty easy to uh, talk about because the same guys pretty much playing it most of the time, so that should be fairly easy. Ah, yes, the early season one is Chappelle show.
1: Uh, my favorite Chappelle show skit, I'm pretty sure it's from the the race draft. It's a little a little edgy, but I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like
0: uh I think that was episode one of season two. Yeah, that's funny stuff. Um that's I'm not funny. getting into it on this stream because <laughs> no, that is the exact exact kind of thing <laughs> that you don't want to be talking about on a stream. Um Yeah, you don't want anybody coming in last second and taking something out of context, you know?
1: Oh, nope. no. Yeah. Don't, don't so, want to be, uh, I be the guy on swear they hate on that given day.
0: Uh, so Kendall's got, uh, buffering again, so he's going to dip. All right, Kendall, thanks for coming out. Thanks for uh, coming in the chat. I appreciate it. And, uh, with that, I think that, uh, pretty free to call it, uh, by the time we go ahead to, uh, stream again, the world series will be over. um, are you taking the uh, you taking the Braves? I assume. I know Kendall's taking, taking the Astros. The uh, it's
1: it's a little scary. I'm taking the Braves.
0: Yeah, I I also would like to take the Braves, um, and I'm hoping that they uh, I'm hoping that they pull it off.
1: I I see. Just gonna toss this. Maybe will happen. For- A Freddie Freeman game. We haven't really seen a Freddie Freeman uh, game, and I think he's he's a guy who would want to put a stamp into the postseason. as something he could did.
0: Yeah, the unfortunate thing is that he should have done it yesterday because it was going to be his last game uh, probably. Well, possibly. I mean, do you really think they're not going to re-sign Freddie Freeman?
1: No. He seems like one of those people that just sticks to one spot an old timer will say like where he's comfortable in the one city playing for the same group of fans and doing everything he can for those people.
0: Yeah. If I, you know, I, I will say this, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees signed him because they've kind of got a hole at first base. I mean, Voight was Voit had some time, you know, but, uh, Freddie Freeman's an upgrade. And, um, yep. They're going to have some money coming off the books this year, so I would not be surprised if Freeman signed with the, uh, them them stinking Yankees. Um, word around here is that is they are really far off. Who's really far off? The Yankees? If the Astros were going to cheat, it's going to be in these next two games. <laughs> yeah. I've
1: already seen some uh, cheating theories. Someone on the TikTok, again, was talking about how... The one guy, maybe it's Valdez, goes to his hair and then immediately is messing with the ball and stuff. Ah, and then they talked about some type of whatever that if you put in your hair and then touch, you wouldn't notice it. And they've shown how Scherzer has been called out. And they even looked at his hair, but no one said, noticed anything. So he was, they said he was clean. This. It's just a theory, but it's it's interesting to see. Maybe, maybe there's some truth to it. There's been plenty of theories that came out to be true later on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also heard that, uh, you know, some people were thinking that the Astros were stealing signs from uh, from Yaz and the pitchers in, uh, in their playoff series. So, I don't know, you know, um, like Cease does on every pitch. Yeah, well, fair enough. Um, so... Grimtall is, uh, South- say, every team does it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every team does it. You, what are you guys talking about? Uh, Astros aren't anything special. Everybody cheats. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, so Grimtall's is a Southeast guy. He says that, uh, what he's hearing is that the Braves and Freeman talks are way off from each other. So I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see some kind of movement. And I mean, in a couple of weeks here, uh, in exactly one month, um, we're looking at uh, possible work stoppage as the CBA expires on December first, which is exactly one month away. So we've got about uh, what uh, four four podcasts before um, before the CBAs expired, and then we're going to uh, possibly have a. Pod about uh, pod slash stream about uh, work stoppage and what's going on with that, which is something I absolutely really don't want to talk about and absolutely detest. But uh, I understand why the players are arguing, and I understand that the owner why the owners are arguing because they want to keep all of their pie and they don't want to give any of it away. And uh, I understand that as well, don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, But uh, yeah, so. Let's hope that within the next couple of weeks they figure that whole thing out. But, uh, yeah, as uh, Grimtall mentions, that Andrew Freeman told L.A. beat writers there's going to be a work stoppage. So I'm fairly certain that uh, that's going to happen. So it's unfortunate, but uh, I'm uh, being realistic again, you know, that uh, more than likely that's what we're going to be looking at is in a month we're going to be talking about this for uh, a couple hours. Uh, you know, mixed in with uh, White Sox stuff as well. So, well, all right, Xavier. Uh, I think I'm gonna call it for the uh, evening. Um, you got any parting thoughts?
1: Oh, I'm I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic for next week's uh, grades. Uh, it's gonna be a much and still be some criticism, but. Oh. Much more happier people, positive attitude for sure.
0: It will certainly be easier to be positive about those guys than it was to be tonight, because you know that whole situation out there in the outfield this entire season was a complete train wreck. I mean, when your your top four outfielders are all injured within the first twenty games of the season, um, that's a major issue. Uh, so, I mean, it was to be expected. Um, the fact that, uh, the outfielders that they grabbed did as well as they did is, uh, awesome. However, it was still, uh, not what we were hoping for when the season started. So, uh, yeah. Anywho, uh, like to thank everybody that's, uh, came into the chat tonight is watching. Um, sometimes both sides need a deadline and pressure before they reach a deal yeah I've heard that a lot about uh, about those union negotiations is that uh, until there's like serious pressure uh, everybody kind of doesn't take it seriously and won't bend what they think because uh, they're not willing to compromise until it's absolutely in a, you know everybody's in a corner and they're all starting to lose money so uh, yeah so who knows could be a could be a long one a long uh, long, nice delay. And, uh, sounds not fun. I've been in a bunch. Well, that doesn't sound like a good time to me. It sounds like a, something that I don't want to have anything to do with. And I'm happy to, uh, pass that on to somebody like you, true, There. Um, yeah. So, uh, at daily white Sox on Twitter, uh, white Sox daily on the interwebs and on the Facebook groups. And, um, yeah, so follow us on Twitter, follow us on, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook and all that good stuff. Um, for my partner uh, Xavier Sanchez at Xavier underscore Sanchez four, and uh, for Danny Miller who could not be here tonight. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge uh, at iEskridge on Twitter, and uh, thanks for hopping in and uh, we'll drop this on the uh, podcast. Hopefully it actually populates this time. Uh, I don't believe it did last time, so we'll see. But uh, thanks for coming in, and thanks for taking a listen. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye.